Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All righty, folks, it is draft weeks, man. It is draft week. Today is Monday, and we only got to little old Thursday to prepare and get us ready, and hopefully our teams get better for the better, yeah? We draft somebody that's actually going to make our team better and not, you know, draft a bus, and then we're still rebuilding and still not good this season, and then have to delay our goodness till next year's draft. So this Thursday, 7.30 Eastern time, that's when we're going to be live for our live draft coverage. We're going to be watching it, so come out, hang out uh, with other fans. You know, let's all just hope our teams get better. That's all. We, I mean, we're all hopeful right now. Yeah, are you hopeful? I mean, everybody's going into the draft hopeful. Nobody's like, oh my goodness, like we're just going to get worse. And I don't even want it. I don't think anybody doesn't want to watch the draft. No, um, it's a night of hope, folks. It's a night of hope for all the other 31 teams that didn't win the Super Bowl this season. So, uh, 7:30 Eastern. That's when we'll, we will be live at twitch.tv slash takesbyfans for our live draft show. So today, this is how we're going to do kind of draft week. Today, we are going to be ranking our offensive draft prospects, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs. Uh, tomorrow, we'll do our defensive NFL prospects, uh, cornerbacks, linebackers, safeties. We'll rank those. And then Wednesday, we'll do our mock draft leading us up till Thursday. We might have a little bit of a free show on Thursday, just kind of, you know, getting our final, final, final thoughts, maybe last second predictions all the way up till kind of 7:30 so uh, that's what we've got for kind of this draft we get ready folks Thursday we don't even know what's going to happen that's what's making this draft this draft so great it's like we yeah we know the number one pick but honestly we don't even know who the Jets are taking at number two and then we don't even know who the 49ers are taking at number three because we don't know who the Jets are taking at number two so it's going to be a great draft what are the Falcons doing at four we still don't know but we might have some clues in the stories today but um yeah that's what we've got kind of for the draft week obviously still breaking down the NBA from last night doing our money maker so let's start the show with the stories of the day here Alrighty, I know we haven't covered it in a couple of days, and I know we have five years to kind of get all of our discussions in and kind of all, all of our arguments in, but uh, Julian Edelman, a little bit of a quote here, Julian Edelman on the Hall of Fame, quote, I didn't grow up thinking about a Hall of Fame, I grew up thinking about hoisting a Lombardi trophy, yes sir, the man's like, y'all can have the fame, I got rings, I got championships, I got trophies, so leave me out of the Hall of Fame, I don't give a damn, you think I give a damn about a stone busting me, I got the hardware, I got the ring so yeah if you want to leave me out of the hall of fame that's fine but i've got trophies i've got rings something that uh people in the hall of fame don't have so i'll i will take that i will take the winning i was a winner the man was a winner that's kind of our one of our main arguments for this man getting into the hall of fame he is a winner but uh julian edelman no sweat off of his back so far you know it's only a couple of days removed from you know that big kind of start of the discussion if julian edelman does deserve to be in the hall of fame or not 
But um, yeah, you know, so far, you know, he's just like, I'm a winner. Y'all don't understand. You know, y'all can worry about the Hall of Fame. I'm not worrying about the Hall of Fame. I've got rings. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. You can't take that away from me. I am in the record book. So uh, we'll see. You know, we, we do have still a lot of years for this kind of argument and discussion and debate to kind of still play out. But uh, Julian Edelman is kind of just uh, still kind of doubling down on, hey, I'm a winner. I won. This is what we do in the league. This is why everybody plays to win and I did that so still kind of doubling down on his main argument that he was a winner but uh it's his win first mentality man absolutely Alrighty, we have the first. We have got the first NFL player switching numbers. We've got Patrick Peterson newly to the Vikings trying to shore up that defense a little bit. Uh he is switching from number 21 to number 7. So he's having a single-digit number like he had in college. So he's going to have to kind of buy out all the inventory, do all of that. But, hey, no sweat off of his back. Obviously, he's been a great uh, one of a, cor a cornerstone quarterback, cornerback in this league for his entire career. So he's obviously got the money. We know that. We're not worried about uh, – Patrick Peterson's not worried about uh, paying off – uh, the prices of the jerseys and the inventory, but we've got our first number change here. Patrick Peterson will be rocking number seven, and hey, the first one just needed to fall. Now we'll see if other kind of players are starting to come out and switch their numbers as well, but hey, Patrick Peterson is the first one, folks. Here it is, 21 to number seven, so get used to Patrick Peterson in a purple number seven jersey this upcoming season. Alrighty, and it is draft week. Alright, folks, so let's all take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. There are a there are going to be a lot of fake stories coming out. These are kind of coming out from, you know, other uh, coaches in the league, other general managers, just to kind of, you know, throw off the scent of what they're going to do in the draft. Maybe try to force somebody to kind of overreach because, you know, hey, at number five, we're going to take a quarterback. We're going to take this quarterback. But number four also wants a quarterback, so maybe they take the quarterback to number five wanted to kind of screw number five or something like that so watch out and be aware of a lot of fake stories coming out this week folks and I have to preface it because we get this story right here and I truly don't get it but this is what we get so as the 49ers close in on their decision on which quarterback to take at number three, sources say, sources say, whenever you hear sources say, be wary this week, folks. Sources say they are down to two prospects. And the belief is that those are Bama quarterback Mac Jones and North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Come on, man. Come on. There's no way. There's no way that you can tell me that. Uh, Mac Jones and Trey Lance are better than Justin Fields right now. I can't believe that. I can't take that as truth, and I have to take this as a fake story. First of all, Trey Lance played in the FCS. Alrighty. I mean, first of all, that's got to be a little bit of a red flag right there. Justin Fields was winning. He was winning. He, the only two games that he lost these last two seasons were the last game of the season, either a first-round exit in the playoffs or a second-round exit in the playoffs, and that second-round exit is the championship game. So he's losing only the big games of the season. And Mac Jones only had one good season with an absolute stacked roster. We ha he had the Heisman winner. He had probably the Heisman runner-up of Najee Harris behind him as well. And they were all there for four straight seasons. Alabama, the highest like coveted uh, college program that there is. That's how he had success. I'm not buying it. I'm going to go with uh, Justin Fields over Trey Lance and Mac Jones here. So I'm not trusting anything coming out of here. I think the 49ers are going to get 
Justin Fields. I mean, why would you trade up so much to go and get Mac Jones or Trey Lance? Have they shown you that much in their kind of one year of playing? Trey Lance didn't play this year because they didn't. They they canceled the season. They played like one game in 2020. That was it. Mac Jones only got good in 2020. So if you're telling me that you're you you traded away your kind of future, the 49ers did for one year decent good quarterback play. Um, I'm sorry for all the 49ers fans out there because that's not going to work. So I, I do not believe this at all. I cannot, I cannot trust that NFL scouts and general managers and coaches are having Justin Fields kind of be the, like the fifth ranked quarterback in this year's draft class. I think that's wildly ridiculous to say, but, uh, so I'm not trusting this at all. Just wanted to bring this up just to kind of make y'all wary that there are going to be a lot of fake stories coming out this week, folks. There's, there's been fake stories all uh, off season so far, but now that we're four days away from the draft, teams are kind of wanting, you know, some of these teams are kind of locking in on what players they want to draft. So they're kind of sending out smoke screens out there to kind of make sure that they get their number one guy that they want. So. I'm not buying that the 49ers are choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. I'm not buying that at all, at all, folks. Alrighty, now this could be potentially interesting. Here we go. There's a rumor going around, and we get two different kind of stories here. So once again, a little interesting. We'll go a little bit deeper into an article on one of these stories. But here we go. Rumor that the Patriots are eyeing trade up for for Justin Fields. Teams believe New England is calling around to move up from number 15 to get the Ohio State quarterback here. So teams believe New England is calling around? Like, like what is that? What rumors that some teams are believing that New England is making calls? Uh, did, did they call you or not? Like, that needs to be the story. So once again here, it's just a rumor. Teams believe New England is calling around. What What does that even mean? How do you believe somebody's calling around? It's either they called you or not. What is that? Um, and then we go um, to this one. Patriots making calls about trading into the top 10, eyeing Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. So let's see what we get in this article right here. Is this headline a little kind of wonky or what's the deal? So, all right, here we go. This week, NFL GMs will burn up the phone lines to gauge opportunities to move up or down their draft boards in advance of Thursday night um, opening round. Uh, clubs have already been calling teams in the top 10 to check on availability if one of their targets slips into an attainable attainable range the current sweet spot is number seven overall with the Detroit Lions who likely would be open to trading back and acquiring more assets in the rebuild yeah I get it but I mean hey if you're a bad team in this league having a new head coach I mean you got to go and get a key piece to your rebuild go and get that kind of early first round pick don't trade back and get you know potentially you know four bad players that won't pan out or you can go for one top 10 player that most likely will pan out but then you don't get a lot of garbage players on the side that's fine you need to kind of solidify what your direction of the rebuild is so I don't like Detroit trading back I mean Dan Campbell take control take charge of your gosh darn team go and get a good uh, proven player at number seven all this trading back man I hate trading back in the draft I think it makes absolutely zero sense 
Go and get the goddamn player that y'all want. Why do you have to keep trading back for more picks that will not pan out? Draft picks rarely pan out to be that good, folks. So go and get a proven top 10 player if you have a top 10 pick. It's not that hard, man. Y'all act like draft picks are deep in this draft. I mean, when was the last time... <clears throat> Any kind of meaningful kind of player uh, helped out a rebuilding team that kind of just kept trading back. I don't think that ever happened. So, Detroit, please do not trade back. That's just, it's, I don't get it, man. I don't, trading back, I hate trading back. It makes no sense. Um, they're act like when you trade back, you're acting like there's just so much talent in this draft. And, folks, there's not that much great talent in any draft, really. Alrighty, what else do we get here? The Carolina Panthers at number 8 and the Denver Broncos at 9 are both candidates to draft either a quarterback or an offensive lineman. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported Monday on Good Morning Football that the New England Patriots are one of the teams testing the waters about a possible move into the top 10. Peloroso says teams... Who have received calls? Uh, uh, teams who received calls believe the Patriots' target would be Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields if he began to slip. Alrighty, with the NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reporting that the 49ers have narrowed their focus to Mac Jones and Trey Lance at number three. I don't think that's true, man. And we get nothing solid here. They're just assuming that the Patriots are just calling teams and moving into the top ten. What is that? So once again, just these fake non-stories. Nobody, uh, an NFL insider said that the Patriots potentially are calling around. And if they do trade into the top ten, that most likely it's Justin Fields. What? What are we talking about here? So, uh, yeah, stay away from and be wary of kind of fake rumors and fake reports out here. I mean, people are just talking and kind of writing that it's a rumor out here, like classic. So uh, don't get too bogged down by all these kind of articles and rumors coming out this next week. We'll try to <laughs> we'll try to help y'all uh, sift through <laughs> sift through the uh, fake news, fake information out here. Alrighty, and then we get this rumor again. I mean, this has been going on the entire offseason report. The Falcons are, quote, considering trading wide receiver Julio Jones. I mean, we heard this ex as soon as the season ended. Arthur Blank said everybody's for sale. Then a few months later, he's like, no, 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 we're keeping everybody. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, nobody's on the table. We're we're good to go. We're fine here. No, no trading going on. And now we get the Falcons are considering trading wide receiver Julio Jones. So let's see this who's saying this now so let's go in the article now here we go there could be another star wide receiver uh, trade brewing this year as Peter King of NBC Sports is reporting that the Atlanta Falcons are considering trading Julio Jones. The tweet, the Falcons have said they're expecting Julio Jones to remain in Atlanta, but don't be surprised if they put the framework of a trade together that would become effective on June 2nd when he's eligible to get traded. <clears throat> All right, King reports the Falcons are putting the frameworks of a trade together that would send Jones elsewhere, but the trade won't go through until June 2nd. The June 2nd date is significant because that's when the Falcons create $15.3 million in cap space for the 2021 season. Uh, King speculates that the Raiders, Patriots, Titans, Ravens are teams that might have an interest in trading for Julio Jones. I mean, once again, I mean, you know, just kind of, you know, assuming these teams are so I mean you can't trade them right before the draft so that's definitely going to hurt them a little bit no draft day trade for this man because it can't go through until June 2nd um 
June 1st, actually. Atlanta can't deal the star wide receiver until after June 1st. So, yeah, June 2nd is the first date he can go. And, I mean, is Julio Jones still a player that you want on your team? Is he still a wide receiver that can get things done? Well, the most receiving yards per game in NFL history. Number one is Julio Jones with 95.5 yards per game. Absolutely magnificent. Then number two was Calvin Johnson with 86 yards per game. So, we see just kind of the sheer discrepancy between number one and number two. And number two was absolutely fantastic. We just actually watched Calvin Johnson on the show yesterday, watched his highlights, and we just, you know, and now Julio Jones better yards per game than Calvin Johnson had. And Calvin Johnson was fantastic that we've seen. So Julio Jones absolutely can still get it done. Maybe just kind of, you know, his time just ran out in Atlanta. They couldn't get it done. They lost the Super Bowl ever since then. They've really just been super floundering in this league. So we'll see what happens. We've got, you know, kind of the back and forth. Arthur Blank saying, yeah, we're going to trade him. No, we're not. And now we're still open to it. So We'll see what happens on draft day. We'll see if the Falcons go and get a wide receiver anytime in the draft. Maybe kind of, you know, foreshadowing, foreshadowing that they are going to trade Julio Jones uh, come June 2nd. So we'll see what happens with Julio Jones and the Falcons in the draft. Alrighty, Shad Khan, number one pick will, quote, define Jaguars, quote, for the rest of my life. I mean, this is, um, you know, a tough spot to be in. I mean, there's only one real selection here at number one. They're kind of boxed in at taking Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence seems to be the best quarterback in this draft in the Jaguars. They need a quarterback. So let's see what Shad Khan is kind of saying here. Anything interesting in these quotes? So, quote, if you know anything about football, if you know anything about the Jaguars, yeah, uh, but this decision, but this is a decision that it's going to define us certainly for the rest of my life and everything I read and hear from people who know a lot more about football than I do from them. It's like stating the obvious. The Jaguars owner no selecting Lawrence will immediately ratchet up the expectations. Quote, the Jaguars being among the two youngest teams in the league, I can talk about my nine years. It's by far the most important time for the Jaguars. That's why I think having Urban Meyer leading this team and where we ended up with this season... I knew that this was this would be arguably the most important decision I'd be making maybe in my lifetime. How the stars aligned, it's something that can really secure the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alrighty, so a lot of pressure on here for the Jaguars here, making sure that Trevor Lawrence pans out. I mean, people have been talking about Trevor Lawrence, I mean, being in the NFL since his first year where he won the national championship, looking real freaking good. And then we had to kind of wait two years for him to kind of be draft eligible, and now the time is here. Shad Khan knows that he can't mess this up. He needs Trevor Lawrence to kind of be the face of this franchise, turn around what the Jaguars kind of have been as a team. I mean, they had one good year. When was it, like 2016 when they made it to the AFC Championship? championship game but that was like a fluke year because then they were trash right after that so they definitely need a quarterback is Trevor Lawrence the future can Urban Meyer get it done a kind of cultural shift here in Jacksonville will it work will it not Shad Khan he's saying it's gonna uh, this decision's going to um 
affect him for the rest of the for the rest of his life and hopefully be kind of the jump start for the Jaguars he said you know the Jaguars are the second youngest team in this league and we know we're kind of transitioning into kind of a new era of football now that we have 17 games we're in the 17 game kind of schedule now uh, so kind of a new era in football in the Jacksonville Jaguars they can be good in this era we just told y'all who were good in last era we were go- when we were kind of breaking down the win percentages of the tw- of the 16 game season seeing that the uh the Steelers and who was number 1 the Cowboys was was number 2 Steelers were the the best winning percentage and then i think it may have been uh the Cowboys or maybe the Patriots also up there but who's going to kind of take hold take hold of this new era of football of 17 games let's see what Trevor Lawrence can do with Urban Meyer year 1 <clears throat> Alrighty, the Bills general manager Brandon Bean says Buffalo could draft explosive running back early. Interesting. Alrighty, well, there's really only two explosive running backs in this draft: Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Everybody else is just kind of you know solid. You know, all all of them kind of look the same, but Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are two running backs in this draft class that are just leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. So the Bills, they still got kind of Devin Singletary. We'll see if they kind of just go out and draft a running back. They don't really need anything else. I mean, they've got the quarterback, obviously. They've got the wide receivers. Their defense is fantastic. Their line has been good. It's been solid. So are they going to go out and just kind of, you know, splurge on a running back round one if Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are still there? Now, I don't know how how early these running backs are going to get selected. Let's uh, see where the Bills draft at. Let's get that up. Um... Uh, they got to be drafting what, like 20, uh, 28 or 29 they got to be drafting since they made it to the AFC Championship game. All right, their draft pick is 30. Oh, 30. Gosh darn. Yeah, 29, 30, 31, 32. Forgot the 32 there. Um, all right, so yeah, they draft number 30. They could get the running back, but uh, the Dolphins with their second pick at 18 could also draft a running back. Uh, who I mean, the Colts don't at 21. Tennessee doesn't need it at 22. The Jets at 23. Two first-round picks. They get a quarterback and a running back just kind of shoring up that offense for Robert Sala. Steelers at 24. You know, that's all they need is just a running back. I mean, they've got the receivers, definitely. They're still rocking with Big Ben. Their defense has been great. They did, uh, I think they lost like one or two pieces in this offseason. But, um, I mean, the Steelers are just desperate at running back at 24. So, We'll see uh, if the Bills trade up at all. I don't think they do, but if there's a running back if at 30, they may be able to pick it up. But uh, one's definitely coming back. One's definitely coming off the board at number 24. I think that's a given at this point. The Steelers are going to get either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne at 24, whichever one is left. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what the Bills do. <clears throat> And we'll see if they're kind of high on one of these other running backs of kind of Giovante Williams or Michael Carter from UNC. Uh, So we'll see what happens here with the Bills. I mean, draft week, folks, teams are kind of shoring up their plans a little bit. Bills need a running back. Devin Singletary's good, but is he as good as, you know, Najee Harris? No. Is he as good as Travis Etienne? No. So we'll see what happens with the Bills this Thursday on the draft. Alrighty, another kind of you know ins or information on potential from this draft. The Vikings could trade up from number fourteen if top tackle slide is the article right here. Um, no quotes from anybody in the Vikings here. 
So let's see why they say this. This week, NFL GMs will burn up the – well, once again, the same article, right? The same headline, the same freaking first sentence of the article right here. Clubs have already been calling teams in the top – oh, okay. So they just copy and paste the article with the new headline. Page, oh, and this – this what the hell is this? This article link brings you to the same article that we just read about the Patriots trading up into the top 10. So they're just making up things at this point, linking articles that have nothing truly really to do with this. Um I guess they uh, here we go. The Minnesota Vikings who pick at number 14 could try to jump up if one of the top offensive tackles begins to slide into that range in search of a long-term solution at offensive tackle if Penesawal or Rashawn Slater slide a tad. GM Rick Spielman could cash in and move move some of his chips to move up. All righty. So Alrighty, so they're kind of hinting, they're, they're kind of predicting that the Vikings are kind of heavy on the tackles to kind of shore up their offensive line a little bit. I think they, I thought they would kind of go a little bit on the defensive end of the ball. Uh, we heard Mike Zimmer say this was one of the worst defenses he's, he's ever coached. We saw they brought in Patrick Peterson. Maybe they draft a kind of a, a safety or another linebacker, maybe a number two corner if they want it. But uh, yeah, still no real information here, just a lot of people speculating. So you have to watch out for that. Fakes stories and just people speculating and guessing uh so vikings believe it or not here we go they could trade up from number 14 maybe potentially if the tackles if that's what they're going to slide and then they want to move up so uh just classic nonsense talk and uh, and talking classic nonsense talk i mean what are people saying out here we get skip bayless on undisputed today today today's show he just said this quote if the miami dolphins or let's start it over right here quote if i'm the miami dolphins i swallow my considerable pride and i take a quarterback at number six because tua will never be the answer what what are you saying what Okay, first of all, Tua is going to be the answer. I don't, I don't understand. Did y'all watch him play? His accuracy was fine. It was perfect. Actually, it was probably one of the best accuracies in the entire NFL this season. I don't want to hear it. Where he was placing the ball was absolutely fantastic on every single throw. I don't want to hear it. We didn't have the weapons. We didn't have these great wide receivers. I mean, we, we literally had no help. Devontae Parker couldn't stay healthy, and then our number two wide receiver was like 5'8", and not as good as Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill's one in a million. So I don't understand why people – and if, if, if we would take a quarterback at number six, I mean, we're going to take, like, the fifth best quarterback in this draft because we know uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be taken off the board. Zach Wilson's probably going to be taken off the board. Justin Fields is going to be taken off the board. So we get leftovers of Mac Jones and Trey Lance, and you're telling me one of those two quarterbacks are better than Tua right now? Come on. Uh, come on. I got to say that Skip is just saying this to say this, honestly, trying to get a reaction once again you know fake news here in draft week just people saying whatever they want to just kind of you know get a reaction out of people and you know just have something to talk about this week interesting and then on Thursday when they're either right or wrong they can have that to talk about so I don't know man I, I I'm a Dolphins fan and I don't really kind of see eye to eye with all of these other Dolphins fans I mean there a lot of Dolphin fans I see want to take alignment at number six and it's disgusting to say that um and I don't believe that at all um 
But yeah, I believe Tua is the answer. I believe in Tua a, a thousand percent. Let's, I mean, folks, we're talking about, you know, uh, a rookie quarterback that got thrown in like five weeks into the season. So he, he wasn't there from week one. And, uh, you know, other defenses and defensive players had those extra weeks to kind of get into rhythm, game shape. And Tua's out there with everybody else in game shape. And he's not. So yeah, he struggled a little bit early, a little bit, but nothing too major, nothing concerning, nothing like, oh my God, like a Josh Rosen, like year one you knew this man would not work out um so i'm not buying it i do not agree with anybody that says two is not the answer honestly i do not see that i do not see what they see we had no weapons i don't understand what y'all are saying over here um, Drew Locke, I mean, Drew Locke had Jerry Judy and threw 15 interceptions. I mean, can we talk about Drew Locke not panning out in this league? Why is everybody still buying Drew Locke? What the hell is that? He played eight extra games this season than he did his first season playing, and he lost all those eight extra games. So can we talk about Drew Locke not being good? He's got Jerry Judy, a fantastic receiver. He's got Noah Fant, a fantastic uh, tight end. So what are we talking about here? At least Tua was winning us games, and that's what you have to do in this league, win games. Tua's a winner. He came from Alabama. He knows what winning is. He was winning on the field. I don't want to hear it. Stop this. Stop this nonsense on Tua, folks. It's truly nonsense. Alrighty, let's switch over to some NBA stories very quickly here. The Jazz clinched a playoff spot. They're the first team this season to clinch a playoff spot. Alrighty, congratulations. They kind of front-loaded their wins this season. You know, obviously with Donovan Mitchell, now that he's out, they're kind of a little iffy, iffy. So, not big on Utah right now. They did clinch it, uh, a playoff spot, but can they keep that number one? Can they keep that number one spot in the Western Conference? The Suns are uh, two games back from the Jazz now. They were kind of hovering about a game and a half, but now they just lost last night. So now officially two games out. And the Clippers are also officially two games out from number one as well. So now the Suns have a chance of dropping out of the top two. And the Sun and the Jazz have kind of two competitors knocking on their front door saying, hey, you slip up once or twice, we're going to squeeze our way into that number one seed. So, yeah, the Jazz clinched a playoff spot, but they definitely want home court advantage throughout the entire uh, playoff. So congratulations to the Jazz, but there's still work to be done. All right, and then these last three stories kind of all go together, all go together. And we kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show or two days ago on the show. But uh, Steve Kerr says Clay was emotional after seeing fans back in Chase Center on Friday. Quote, it hit him really hard how much he's missing. He needs to be out on the floor. This is his happy place. And then, you know, this brings up the video that we talked about yesterday on the show, two days ago on the show. No, yesterday on the show. Uh, this was from Friday when Steph Curry went over to the bench of Clay Thompson, you know, looking real kind of down on himself, going over there, cheering him up. We don't know what they're saying because Clay's got the mask on and uh, Steph Curry's got the towel over his head. But I mean, we know just how, how great their kind of bond is on friendships, kind of in real life, I would say, and on the court, obviously, of being teammates together. And this just goes to show, once again, yes, Steph Curry's great on the floor, but he's also that leader that you need on your team. We saw him kind of getting on the guys on the bench when they were losing. He's, you know, kind of, you know, talking up St uh, Clay Thompson on the bench, being like, hey, you're still a huge part of this team, man. You know, come next season, when you're ready to rock, we're going to be back to our glory days 
back to the finals, man. So just, you know, hang in there. Keep your head up. We're going to get through this. We're going to be back on top. No problem, man. We're just you away from back winning. That's really all it is. And once you're healthy, we're going to get back at this thing, winning, being champions, being kind of the greatest duo in NBA history. The Splash Brothers are back. So you got to give so much respect to Steph Curry, man, a true leader on this floor. And we and we kind of related this to kind of other point guards around the league. I know I brought up uh, Kyrie Irving the other day when we talked about this clip. But, I mean, could you see Kyrie Irving doing this to one of his players? Could, could you see him going over to kind of Kevin Durant or James Harden two years, two years into this kind of Nets team that this Warriors team is? I mean, uh, the Steph and Clay have been together forever. But could you see other point guards doing this? Kyrie Irving, who, you know, said, He's so great of a leader and everything like that, but we don't we never get moments like this ever from Kyrie Irving Do we I don't see it so so much credit to Clay uh, Steph Curry right here a true leader man And not only is a, is he a leader? We know what he does on the court Steph Curry has made 83 three-pointers this month of April That is the most in any month in NBA history and it's not like you know He's you know shooting three-pointers with basically his toe an inch away from the three-point line No, these are most of his threes right here. What do we get like five feet five six feet from the free, uh, from the three-point line? Chucking up threes that are cash all day that these are good shots of Steph Curry bad shots by literally everybody else in this league But he goes and makes these three-pointers So you got to give it up for this man Absolutely the most deadly shooter in NBA history a great leader and he's making this case for MVP here He's willing his team to a play-in tournament of very very lackluster teammates. I mean Andrew Wiggins is fine uh, um Draymond Green's a good kind of third piece, but he's kind of has to be elevated to kind of a number two piece. They don't even have that great of a big. Kevon Looney, mm, James Wiseman got injured. Kevon Looney's just meh. And then Kelly Oubre Jr. is better off the bench than he is in the starting lineup. So this this Warriors roster is truly lackluster, but Steph Curry, man, he will go out and literally do everything on the floor, off the floor to get wins. And you got to respect the heck out of it, man. I respect the heck out of it. So... Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to cover for today. So let's head over to the NBA, break down what happened. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action, and then we'll head over to our uh, ranking of the NFL offensive draft prospects. Alrighty, so let's start with the NBA from last night. Here we go, first game up, Hornets and the Celtics. This was a 1 o'clock game, and the Celtics got absolutely blown out Hornets win 125 one away or 104 uh, over the Celtics and the Celtics were a eight point favorite eight point favorite we saw we took it we took the bait unfortunately uh we saw Evan Fournier back for the uh for the Celtics we saw Jalen Brown back for the Celtics. We saw Kemba Walker back for the Celtics, and that gave us kind of great hope that they would kind of, you know, win, that they would win the game. But the Hornets get it done. So shout out to this Hornets team, and let's start here with the Hornets since they won first. Devontae Graham, 24 points, 9 assists, absolutely fantastic. He shot 6 of 11 for 3. Terry Rozier, 21 points, 11 assists, 5 of 9 from 3. So Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier back at it, uh, getting it done offensively. P.J. Washington at the 5. Uh, where has this P.J. Washington been? I mean, throughout the regular season, he hasn't really been doing anything. Then he kind of got injured. He was out for a couple games. And now he's back and he's playing the 5. And it's absolutely magnificent. 22 points, 5 assists, 12 rebounds, 4 of 6 from 3. 
Miles Bridges at the four, 20.6 rebounds, four of eight from three. And then Cody Martin at the starting three, 13 points, five assists, 10 rebounds. So, I mean, absolutely great shooting, great scoring, great production by literally every single one of the starters here of the Hornets. And, uh, folks, I know I say this a lot, but how great is this Hornets team missing their top three players all injured in this next man, next man up mentality is just providing, you know, wins for this Hornets team. Absolutely fantastic. Love everything about this team. Everybody's stepping it up, and they are are currently still eighth in the East. So they are going to have to play in the playing tournament if they can't get, you know, into the top six there. They are uh, only two and a half games back, a game and a half back from that six seed. So there is still potential for this Hornets team to get into the top six, not kind of have to go through the playing tournament. But man, oh man, got to give so much credit. And now we know LaMelo Ball should be kind of coming back maybe next week, maybe late this week, next week, definitely, maybe, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, absolutely wonderful by this Hornets team. And then we get off the bench. Brad Wanamaker, 12 points off the bench. We'll take that. So absolutely all the starters here for the Hornets absolutely showed out last night. And I'm definitely all about it. They hit 21 threes, just got it done. The Celtics only hit 14, a huge reason why they won that game. So let's talk about this Celtics team now. Kemba Walker back. I mean, their starting lineup is back. Kemba Walker at the one, Marcus Smart at the two, Jason Tatum at the three, Jalen Brown at the four, and Tristan Thompson at the five. This is their lineup. Evan Fournier coming off the bench, Jabari, Jabari Parker coming off the bench. So this is kind of what they're going to be doing in the playoffs. This is kind of their final roster here, and they still just couldn't get it done. Nothing great off the bench, and they didn't get kind of, you know, great contribution by everybody in the starting lineup. So let's talk about it here. Kemba Walker, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 6, 3 of 9 from 3. Marcus Mart, 17 points, 4 assists, 3 of 7 from 3. And then here we go, Tristan Thompson, 5 points, 4 rebounds, lackluster. There it is. I mean, we saw everybody get it done in the starting roster for the Hornets, and we see Tristan Thompson letting the team down a little bit. Uh, but we don't expect Tristan Thompson to score that many points anyway, but we still need points to come from somewhere else. Jason Brown and uh, Jalen Tatum did not pick up the slack here. Jalen Brown, 20 points, 8 rebounds, but he shot 2 of 7 from 3 and 36% from the field on 22 shots. Not great. And then Jason Tatum, lackluster here, not even the leading scorer for his squad, 19 points. He did have 11 rebounds, which is good, but 1 of 5 from 3, 37% from the field. So we either get great nights by Jason Tatum where he's putting up 30-plus points on great shooting or lackluster Jason Tatum where he's putting up like less than 25 points and he's not shooting like over 40%. So... Jason Tatum is a huge key to the Celtics team, which we know, and they definitely need a little bit of depth off their bench as well, and that's exactly what they did not get last game, last night. Kemba Walker, or Evan Fournier off the bench, 0 points, 0 of 3 shooting. I mean, how many times does this go, like, 0% shooting from the field? This is like his third game. Not good, and it's not like he's, oh, oh, he only took one shot or two shots. Yeah, he only took three shots here, but we've seen him go 0 of 10 multiple times in this, eh, off the bench for the Celtics, so... Evan Fournier, very streaky here off the bench. Jabari Parker only playing 11 minutes, 4 points. We get uh, Grant Williams, 9 points in 18 minutes. Not bad, but overall they need more players to get the scoring done. They need Jason Tatum to kind of ball out like Devin Booker does on a nightly basis for that Suns team, putting up 30-plus points every single game. That's what Jason Tatum needs to do, and when they don't do it, they usually lose games, and they lost games last night because of it. So well done to the Hornets, winning 125-104 over the Celtics. 
Alrighty, now let's go to the Nets and the Suns now. And uh, Kevin Durant back for the Nets. Yes, sir. But the Suns cannot get it done. Unfortunate. No Jay Crowder, no Dario Sarek. And it definitely hurt him a little bit out there. Uh, but let's start here with the Nets. Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kevin Durant did not start, but he played 28 minutes off the bench. Kind of closed out the game. It was an absolutely great closer. But uh, Kyrie Irving, 34 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds, 5 of 7 from 3. He had a great night. Laundry Shamit at the 2, 5 points on 2 of 5 shooting. DeAndre Jordan, 6 points, 12 rebounds, 5 of those offensive. We'll take that. Jeff Green, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Joe Harris a little light with 10 points. He shot 1 of 3 from 3. Usually need a little bit more out of him. But just Kevin Durant's absolutely fantastic game off the bench. 33 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. And, man, uh, he's shooting 57%, 2 of 3 from 3. I mean, this man has been – he's only played, like, 10 <laughs> – like 10 games this year um and like he, he he'll stop he'll he'll like not play for a long period of time months multiple games tens of games and then he just picks up exactly where he leaves off I mean we know Kevin Durant's an absolutely fantastic talent could definitely potentially be the greatest player in the league if he could stay healthy for an entire season he could be better than LeBron James he's a great scorer he's 6'11 folks I mean you can't stop this man and he shoots just so purely so he's an absolutely fantastic shooter got it done last night in the kind of fourth quarter for this Nets team so got to give so much respect to Kevin Durant very well done all right let's talk about this on the Suns now they lost not a good loss here Devin Booker put up the 36 points, which was, you know, what the Suns team needs. They need Devin Booker to be kind of the main scorer. But uh, with uh, Jay Crowder being out and Darius Eric being out, they kind of lose a little bit of depth and they lose some offensive production. So they ended up losing. They did put up 119 points, which is still pretty good. But uh, unfortunately, they just had to face Kevin Durant and he kind of goes manic when he's out there. Alrighty, but let's uh, talk about the Suns team. Chris Paul, 14 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, shot 45%. Devin Booker with the 36 points on 4 or 5 from 3 and 50% uh, from the field on 24 shots. DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, 13 rebounds, getting it done down low. Cameron Johnson in the starting lineup in place of Jay Crowder at the 4. 9 points, that's basically what he does off the bench, so not really up, up kind of upgrading his game here. McCall Bridges still at the three, seven points on 42% shooting, 0 of 4 from three, so definitely hurting them there. Um, then off the bench, we did get Torrey Craig, which I'm glad that Torrey Craig's kind of back in action here. We saw him last year in the bubble getting it done for Denver, and now he's here with the Suns still kind of getting it done here off the bench. 20 points, 14 rebounds on 31 minutes on 66%, so absolutely fantastic by Torrey Craig, but then nothing great. Cameron Payne, 5 points on 33% shooting off the bench. Frank Kaminsky, 5 points on 3 shots. Javon Carter, 3 points on 7 shots, so just nothing else great off the bench. So, uh, you know, why we, you know, are losing a little bit of faith in the Suns team a little bit, losing against the best teams, their offensive scoring productions, not getting it done. So, unfortunate loss here by the Suns, but uh, well done for Kevin Durant. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it doesn't matter how many games he misses. He's going to pick up, pick up exactly where he left off, which is always scoring buckets, high efficient shooter. So. Can't really stop it. I mean, how do you stop a 6'11 assassin? You you don't. You die. You die. You get killed. You get killed. That's it. Alrighty, let's move on to the Grizzlies and the Blazers and another another loss by this Blazers team. I can't take it anymore, folks. I can't take Damian Lillard being a loser anymore. Ugh, ugh. So... 
Let's talk about this Grizzlies team. We chose, well, we stayed away from this one. We were very close to taking the Grizzlies plus four and a half, which in hindsight was absolutely great value. Unfortunately, we did not swallow up that value, unfortunately. Uh, but Jonas Valanciunas is back in the starting lineup. We saw him out for a couple of games with the concussion, but he was good to go. So here we go. Let's start here with the Grizzlies. John Morant, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 of 4 from 3. Fantastic. Grayson Allen, an absolutely garbage night. And we see Grayson Allen streaky as heck out here, man. Uh, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 0 of 4 from 3, and 25% shooting on 12 shots. Yikes. Yikes. But doesn't matter because Jonas Valanciunas picks up the slack here. 21 points, 10 rebounds. Very well done. He shot 3 of 4 from 3 as well. Kyle Anderson, 16 points, 2 of 2 from 3, 6 rebounds to go along with that. Dylan Brooks, 18 points, 8 rebounds. He didn't shoot, you know, great, 2 of 5 from 3, 31% overall, but I'll take those 18 points. Yes, sir. So the starters kind of all got it done. Grayson Allen, a little bit of a light night. Uh, but then off the bench, what do we get? Brandon Clark, 10 points, 4 rebounds. Yes, sir. Anthony Melton, only 8 points on 2 of 7 from the field. 6 assists to go along with that, though, so not terrible overall. And he was a plus 14 on the floor, so getting it done defensively. So overall, the Grizzlies are able to get it done. The bench, decent, and the starters all get it done. Fantastic. Now, for the Blazers, man, oh, man, oh, no, another loss, another loss, another loss, another bench game that did not go the greatest for them. All right, here we go. Damian Lillard. 23 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds, decent night, 4 of 10 from 3. He did shoot 29% overall from the field. Man, oh man, this man has been absolutely lackluster shooting the ball here um, these last, what, last two weeks? Not great. CJ McCollum, 27 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. He shot 4 of 10 from 3, 47% from the field. Nurchich still at the 5, 16 points, 19 rebounds. We see him getting kind of better every single game now, so that's what we love to see. Robert Covington, uh, two points on 0 of 7 from the field. What the hell is that in the starting lineup? I mean, at least Grayson Allen got us to nine points. Robert Covington can't do that. And then Norman Powell still at the three, 17 points, three steals, four assists, five rebounds. He shot 0 of 3 from three, 46% from the field. But 17 points, not terrible out here. But they got to do something, man. I would probably have Norman Powell come off the bench. Something's got to kind of give on this team. It's not working. You're not winning games with this lineup. Maybe put Derrick Jones Jr in the starting lineup and then have Norman Powell come off the bench and you know try to jumpstart that second team kind of like what the Warriors have been doing with Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah yeah he's still playing you know starting minutes like 30 plus minutes but he's coming off the bench and that's really kind of been lifting up that Warriors team. So the Blazers have to try and do something. You have to, you have to, you have to get, you have to get right for the playoffs. Playoffs are coming up and the war in the the Blazers are they locked into a playoff spot here? Um, I mean, they've got kind of a uh, six-game lead on the Pelicans for, you know, if the Pelicans kind of, you know, overcome their spot a little bit. But they have about a six-game kind of cushion before they kind of fall out of that top ten here in the playing tournament. So you've got to figure out your starting lineup. You've got to get right for the postseason. You've got to start figuring out how you can win games consistently. Um, after the trade deadline, this Blazers team has floundered the most here. I mean, they were winning games, and then everybody got healthy, and now they can't win with the, all their players healthy. What the heck is that? They can't win with Norma Powell substituting Gary Trent Jr. Um, so 
something's got to give. You've got to switch up these lineups a little bit. You've got to experiment because having just Norman Powell at the three is not resulting in wins. It's not getting it done. Off the bench, Carmelo Anthony, 12 points, finally having a decent game, but, you know, 30% shooting, not great. Then we get uh, Anthony Simons, 8 points, that's decent, on 3 shots. Ennis Cantor, 7 points, 5 rebounds in only 14 minutes. So something's got to change, man. Whatever they're doing, this roster of Lillard, McCollum, Nurchage, Covington, Powell, it's not resulting in wins. So you've got to shake up this lineup. You've got to just kind of figure out, you've got to figure out what happens, why you're not winning games, and you're not winning games because your bench can't score. Derrick Jones Jr. is not doing anything. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, he put up 12 points this game, but I mean, every other game was like below 10 points. I mean, for the last like two weeks. So there's no great scores off that bench. So maybe put Norman Powell down there, have him facilitate the floor with those guys, get the offense going because this is not working right here. It's not working. You're not winning. So another bad loss here by the Blazers, losing 120-113 over the Grizzlies. Something's got to give. Alrighty, let's move on to the Wizards and the Cavs here. Wizards with the win, 119-110 over the Cavs. So fantastic to this Wizards team. We took the Wizards minus 7.5 last night. They went by 9, so just squeaking out the win. We saw Darius, uh, no, Colin Sexton not in for the Cavs, so we thought their offensive production would go down a little bit, but honestly, it was still pretty good, and I'm still kind of proud of this Cavs team for overcoming not having Colin Sexton and still making this game close. So shout out to the Cavs. We'll talk about them in a second, but let's start here with the Wizards. Another win, folks. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Now still number 10 in the east they are two games out from moving up to the ninth uh which doesn't really make a difference in the playing tournament because nine and ten play each other uh but we'll see if they can kind of maybe work their way up to maybe eight or seven they are the wizards are four and a half games out from that seven seed and that six seed both kind of uh with the celtics and the heat kind of tied at uh at that six seven seed with both 32 wins and 29 losses. But, uh, yeah, Wizards about four and a half games back from kind of securing a kind of uh, definite play playoff position in the top six where you don't have to kind of fight for it if you're seven through 10. But, yeah, very well done by this Wizards team. Eight straight wins, nine and one in their last 10. They do have a two-game lead um, above, the, uh, above the Bulls for that kind of 11th and 10th seed. So, absolutely one, well done here by the Wizards. Russell Westbrook, only 14 points here. Only 14 points, and everybody else just kind of makes it up here. This is fantastic. Everybody else now starting to get a little piece of the offense, especially off this bench, so we can give this Wizards team so much credit. But here we go. Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds. He only shot 38%, had 4 turnovers, so not the best Russell Westbrook game. Raul Neto still at the 2, 14 points, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 rebound. Alex Len still at the 5, still not doing anything, still only playing 10 minutes out there, 2 points, 2 rebounds. Anthony Gill at the 4, 5 points, but he only played 13 minutes, took 4 shots. And then Bradley Beal still getting it done at the 3, man. This Wizards team, this, see, this is what I'm talking about. Why can't the Blizzards, or the Blizzards, why can't the Blazers kind of, you know, shake up their lineup to figure out what works? The Wizards were doing it. Yeah, Bradley Beal was kind of getting it done at the 2, but it still wasn't resulting in anything else. We move him at the 3. Raul Neto comes at the 2, and he's putting up 14 points. We didn't really have any other Wizards player besides Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook putting up consistent quality points, 10 or more points. 
points. And uh, we saw the offense, the starting offense, the starting lineup here really kind of suffer because it was just Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Now we're getting Raul Neto involved a little bit more. Anthony Gale and Alex Lynn, I mean, they only put up, they only played 23 minutes combined for those kind of two starting positions. So it's the bench getting it done a little bit more. And that's reflected with their points. But very uh, great job by Bradley Beal here. Bradley Beal here, three, 33 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 of 4 from the 3, getting it done at that 3, at the 3 here, at the kind of small forward position here. So, wonderful job here by Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, the coach of this Wizards team, getting it done with their lineups. And then off the bench, I mean, everybody had a great night off the bench. Not everybody was in double-digit points, but everybody had 8 or more, so that's fantastic. So, here we go, off the bench, Daniel Gafford, 12 points on 71%, Shooting fantastic off the bench. Ish Smith, eight points, four assists, three rebounds. Yes, sir. Davis Burton's nine points. Now he wasn't efficient. He shot three of ten from three, twenty-five uh, percent from the field. So definitely could be a little bit better. But we got the nine points. We got the four rebounds. Just solid there. Garrison Matthews, eight points, three rebounds. And can we talk about how slept on Robin Lopez has been playing? 14 points, 5 rebounds in only 10 minutes, folks. Only 10 minutes of play. So they're really kind of reserving Robin Lopez out here. He's never playing that many minutes, but his production points, rebounds are always there. So fantastic job here by this Wizards team getting another win, knowing how to win at the end of the season. That's all we're looking for, folks. If you're good at the first half of the season but bad in the second half of the season, you're kind of trash. We don't care about you anymore. I mean, who was kind of good in the first half of the season that we don't talk about anymore? Is there anybody? Um, nobody really in the East. What about the West? The Blazers, perfect example there. I mean, they were number four seed in the West, and now they're number seven, and we're kind of falling off of them big time. I mean, every day we're on here, we're like, the Blazers, we can't buy them. We can't buy them. We can't buy them anymore. So... I mean, the Rockets even a little bit. They were kind of in the mix a little bit, tad-wise. But once again, now they're kind of the worst team in the West. So, um, Wizards getting right at the right time, and I absolutely love the hell out of it, truly. Alrighty, now let's talk about the Cavs. Better game than I thought it would uh, go for the Cavs, but we still win the bat. They still cover the spread, so fantastic to the Wizards. All right, here we go. Isaac Okuru slides in in place of uh, Colin Sexton. So Darius Garland, 28 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds. He still gets it done. He shot 4 of 8 from 3. Isaac Okuru, 10 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Very lackluster of what Colin Sexton would do in that role. Jared Allen, though, steps up big time, and I absolutely love this, man. 27 points, 12 rebounds, 7 of those offensive boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. Absolutely great game by Jared Allen. Kevin Love still at the four, 12 points, five rebounds. He shot two of three from three. And then C.D. Osmond getting into the starting rotation. Yes, sir. We've seen him kind of been not very good um, basically for this entire season, but he steps it up back in the starting lineup. 19 points, five assists. He shot three of six from three and 58% overall from the field. So absolutely wonderful job here by the starters of the Cavs. It was just a bench that didn't do anything great. Matthew Dellavedova, five points. Larry Nance Jr., five points. He did have five assists and seven rebounds, which is good, but five points on 28% shooting off the bench. Nothing great there like the kind of uh, Wizards had. So well done by the starters of the Cavs. Absolutely well done. If they had kind of Colin Sexton, they probably would have won the game. Unfortunately, they didn't. So shout out to the Wizards for getting the win. Absolutely well done. They get the win 119-110 over the Cavs. 
Alrighty, let's move on. And man, oh man, the Hawks, man. No Trey Young and still get it done. Absolutely fantastic. Another reason why we can buy this Hawks team even more now. Winning, proving they can win without Trey Young. It's fantastic. Alrighty. So they beat the Bucs, man. The Bucs, man. The Bucs. Another bad loss by this Bucs team. I feel like whenever this Bucs team loses, it's against a not great team, man. Or a team that they really shouldn't have lost against. So let's start here with the Hawks. Bogdan Bogdanovich moves into the starting point guard position. Kevin Herter moves into the starting two and kind of, you know, with this shakeup. So Solomon Hill at the three, John Collins at the four, Clint Capella at the five. But let's go back to Bogdan Bogdanovich. And this man has been absolutely money for this team. He was money when the Hawks started to win with Trey Young. He Bogdan Bogdanovich was getting it done as the two, 20 points every single game. Great contribution scoring wise. And now he's picking up the slack even more. 32 points, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 rebound, 6 of 11 from 3. Fantastic work. Kevin Herter at the 2. 20 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. He shot 1 of 5 from 3, but 64% overall from the field. So we'll take those 20 points. Absolutely. Clint Capella, 6 points, but 14 rebounds. John Collins, 18 points, 5 rebounds. And then Salman Hill at the 3. Not really good. 2 points. He did have 12 rebounds, so we'll give him that. But 2 points on 12% shooting on 8 shots. 0-4 from 3 as well. So not great there. But but they got great bench contribution. Daniil Gallinari was back. 15 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. And then Lou Williams, 15 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 4 of 7 from 3. So... Fantastic bench contribution and Bogdan Bogdanovich stepping it up to the max here and I absolutely love it. So shout out to the Hawks for a win here. Is this a two-game win streak for this Hawks team? Two-game win streak, man. Winning these games without Trey Young is absolutely magnificent, man. Why we can buy this Hawks team now winning without your star player that shows us, that tells us a lot. That's great coaching. That's great bench play. That's great everybody else stepping up, and that's great next man up mentality, and those are the things that are going to win championships in this league. All right, so the Bucks lose. Everybody was in. Drew Holiday, DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Thanasis off the bench, Pat Connaughton off the bench, Bobby, Bobby Portis off the bench. So they had all their players. They just couldn't win the game. Drew Holiday, 19 points, 11 assists. He shot 72% from the field. Absolutely fantastic. Dante DiVincenzo flounders 5 points on 28% shooting, 6 rebounds. Brooke Lopez, 11 points, 1 rebound. Giannis, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists. Yes, sir. He shot 1 of 3 from 3. Chris Middleton, 23 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 50% from the field. So an overall, a decent game by the starters. Dante DiVincenzo kind of letting them down a little bit. And then they didn't get that many great bench productions. I mean, they had Brian Forbes, 0 points on 0 of 5 shooting. Absolutely not great. Bobby Portis, he put up the 10 points. That was great, but he was the only one that got solid contributions out here um, off the bench. Pat Connaughton, 5 points on 2 of 5 from the field. Jeff Teague, no no points on two shots. So no great bench production like the, like the Hawks had. And that bites the Bucks in the butt. But uh, shout out to the Hawks for winning without Trey Young. Fantastic work. All right, then we get the Pacers and the Magic and two not good teams here. Sabonis uh, did not play. Miles Turner, we know, is out for the rest of the season. So, and they still get the win. But, uh, you know, we know this Magic team isn't anything great. And this Pacers team isn't anything great either. So, two bad teams going against each other. One team had a win. 
And it was the Pacers, so it should have been the Pacers. They do have a better B squad than the Magic have. But the Pacers win 131-112 over the Magic. Alrighty, Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 of 7 from 3. Karis LeVert, only 18 points, 6 assists, 5, 3 rebounds. Karis LeVert's been a little underwhelming here for this Pacers team, unfortunately. Jakar Sampson filling in, filling in at the 5. 11 points, 5 rebounds. O'Shea Brissett. At the four, 13 points, eight rebounds. And then Edmund Sumner at the three still, 21 points, seven rebounds. So the starters all pretty decent out there. Not bad. Everybody in 10-plus points, uh, two players having 20 points. That's good. Justin Holiday off the bench, 20 points. And then we get Doug McDermott, 16 points off the bench. So great bench production, great job by the starters. Everybody kind of next man up mentality, big time here. Not having Sabonis, their number one. Not having Miles Turner, kind of their best defensive player. Only having the, you know Malcolm Brogdon and Kyra Silvert. And they're still good offensively, but I mean, you're not having two of your main players out there. So well done for the Pacers to get the win, unfortunately. Uh, well, they are still number nine in the East, so that's fantastic. I mean, they could still get into kind of the playing tournament. We don't want to see them in the playing tournament. I think there's other interesting stories. I would like to see, obviously, the Wizards. They're currently number 10, so I want to see them. Definitely want to see the Hornets at number eight. But, I mean, I would love to see the Bulls at number 11 get in there. Let's see what kind of uh, Vucevic and Zach Levine can do. The Raptors, you know, that whole kind of, you know, squad of Siakam, Kyle Lowry. Nick Nurse as the coach. Uh, even the Cavs. Let's see Jared Allen in the playing tournament. It's just the Pacers. Who are we rooting for? Sabonis? I mean, okay. He's good. Don't get us wrong. He's really good, but it's Sabonis. He doesn't really have that big of a name outside of what he does on the floor. Um, there's no other big old player. Karis Levert's good, but he's kind of an up-and-comer here. Uh, Miles Turner being out for basically the rest of the season is hurting them defensively, but uh, they did get the win, so I will kind of shout out the Pacers here. Just don't want to see them in the playing tournament, honestly. I think they're a little lackluster team, a little boring of a team overall. All right, and then the Magic. Anything good here? Uh, Mo Bamba playing 24 minutes off the bench. I love seeing that. 17.7 rebounds. Yes, sir. Get it done. Um, Dwayne Bacon led the team in scoring with 20 points at the three. No other player had 20-plus points. But a lot of players had 10 or more points, so that's great. But um, Gary Harris, only 6 points on 14% shooting. Absolutely not great. Wendell Carter at the 5, 10 points, 13 rebounds. Cole Anthony at the 1, 14 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. So just nothing great here. A big old 20, basically 20-point 20 loss, 19-point loss for the Magic. So Pacers get the win. Well done. Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, the Warriors and the Kings. Alrighty, and the Warriors able to kind of hold off. Once again, the Warriors kind of playing down to their competition a little bit. Uh, no De'Aaron Fox, and it's still only a four-point win for the Warriors. So not the greatest, but Steph Curry gets it done like he always does, man. Clutch as clutch can be. So let's start here with the Warriors. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. still coming off the bench and still getting great production off the bench. I love it. So Steph Curry, 37 points, four assists, seven rebounds, seven of 14 from three. Michael Mulder filling in at the two here. They're still kind of figuring out this kind of two spot now that Kelly Oubre Jr. is coming off the bench. But Michael Michael Mulder only playing 14 minutes, but he got us those 11 points. Fantastic. Uh, Kavon Looney at the five, eight points, eight rebounds. Draymond Green, eight points, 13 assists, 14 rebounds at the four, getting it done. 
And then Andrew Wiggins, a little light on his points, only 13 points, but six assists, six rebounds, two steals. We'll take that. He shot 40% on 15 shots as well. So classic kind of Warriors game here from their starters. And then off the bench, yes, sir, we can rely on Kelly Oubre Jr. 19 points, seven rebounds. He wasn't totally efficient from three, one of seven from three, but he shot 47% playing 31 minutes off the bench. That's what we're talking about. And then Juan Toscano Anderson as well coming off the bench. 10 points in the 31 minutes, but he also had five assists and four rebounds to go along with that. So that's what we're talking about, folks. Getting it done off the bench, 10 or more points. Kelly Oubre Jr. putting up the 19. Juan Toscano Anderson with the 10. And then we can also shout out uh, Gary Payton here off the bench. In only five minutes, he went uh, three of three for seven points. Yes, sir, in only five minutes. So wonderful job here. This Warriors team, a little bit of a wild card here. They still are that 10th seed in the playing tournament here in the West. So. They'll have to go and beat the Spurs, and then they'll have to either go and beat the Blazers or the Grizzlies if the season ended today. Hopefully they could do that because I would love to see this Warriors team kind of see what they can do in the playoffs if they can kind of, you know, if they have to face the Jazz uh, Series 1, Round 1 in the playoffs, I would give the Warriors a decent kind of shot at upsetting the Jazz, honestly. I think they could go the distance with them. But uh, this Warriors team behind Steph Curry, anything is possible. So much credit to Steve Kerr for bringing Kelly Oubre Jr. off the bench. Even though he's still playing starting minutes, he's not initially with that starting lineup. Getting great production from Michael Mulder for some more minutes here. Getting his great production because we can always count on Kelly Oubre Jr. more than, uh, than, any, other, than any other bench player for this Warriors team. So... Bringing Kelly Oubre Jr. off the bench, I think, is fantastic, and it's been working ever since. So, so much credit. Once again, coaches playing around with the lineups a little bit, figuring out what's working, not what the Blazers are doing. Just everything is just set in stone. It's not working. It's still not working. It's still not working. We're not adjusting. We got other teams that are. So, well done to those teams. Alrighty. Um, oh, we got to finish uh, the Kings before we move on. But uh, no De'Aaron Fox. Buddy Heal had a good game. Tyrese Halliburton steps up in place of De'Aaron Fox and has a great game. So this was the lineup that they went with. Tyrese Halliburton at the 1, Buddy Heald at the 2, Harrison Barnes at the 3, Maurice Harkless at the 4, and Raquan Holmes at the 5. So basically their regular starting lineup, just Tyrese Halliburton filling in for De'Aaron Fox. So here we go. Tyrese Halliburton, 24 points, 8 assists. and He shot 2 of 7 from 3. Not the greatest, but 50% overall and got us to 24 points. That's fantastic. Buddy Heald, 25 points, 6 rebounds. He shot 6 of 8 from 3. I mean, cashed out and was clutch. And that's fantastic. Buddy Heald's kind of stepping it up without De'Aaron Fox. Got to give him so much credit. Raquan Holmes, 11 points, 5 rebounds. Maurice Harkless, 7 points. 0-4 from 3, 37% overall from the field. But then we get Harrison Barnes, 23 points, 7 rebounds, 5 of 9 from 3. Very well done. It's just this Kings team didn't have anybody off the bench to get it done like the Warriors did. Their leading scorers off the bench was Chemezi Metu, 7 points on 25% shooting. And DeLon Wright, 7 points on 2 of 5 from the field, 40%. So... Warriors had a little bit of a better bench thanks to Kelly Oubre Jr. And that's what we're talking about, folks. Kelly Oubre Jr. does not need to be a starter to get it done. He can get it done with that bench team and the starters. That's what makes him so good. So definitely need those 19, kind of 20-plus points that Kelly Oubre Jr. brings to this team on a nightly basis. So well done for the Warriors to get another win out here. Alrighty, that was all the NBA from last night. Let's uh, see what we have on tap today. Uh, and then we'll do our moneymaker and get all that in. 
then we'll head over to our NFL Draft Prospect Offensive Rankings. Here we go. Uh, so let's start with the NBA for tonight. We get Hawks Pistons. We get Lakers Magic. Thunder 76ers. Spurs Wizards. Suns Knicks. Ooh, that should be a good one. Can the Suns bounce back from their loss last night? Cavs, Raptors, Bulls, Heat, Jazz, Timberwolves, Clippers, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Mavericks, Kings, all these games on. Holy moly. No primetime nationally televised games, though, so you're going to have the League Pass or NBA TV if you're going to want to watch tonight. But, uh, yeah, a lot of games on tonight, so let's find where the value is. Let's get our moneymaker good to go. Let's get it rocking. Let's get it popping. Let's get it winning. Let's get it money, folks. Yes? Yes? Yes. All righty. Here we go. First game up. Thunder, 76ers. Thunder plus 12.5. 76ers minus 12.5. All righty. Probably staying away from this one. Shea Gills Alexander still out for the Thunder. Lugans Dort is out for the Thunder. Mike Muscal is still out. And Josh Hall is out for the Thunder. For the 76ers, Tobias Harris, a game-time decision. Joel Embiid, game-time decision. Ben Simmons, game-time decision. And Firkin Korkmaz, game-time decision as well. So a lot of the starters for the 76ers are game-time decisions. Uh, we're probably going to stay away from this one. 76ers should have no trouble covering this spread, absolutely. But 12 and a half. Uh, ben Simmons is now questionable. Anything else? No other word on anybody else here, but um, yeah, some just too many game time decisions here. Too big of a spread. Thunder, not a good team. We'll stay away from it. All right, then we get the Lakers and the Magic. And once again, a big spread here. Lakers plus minus 10.5. Magic plus 10.5. Alrighty. Alrighty, LeBron James is still out for the Lakers. Mark Masal, Marcus All game time decision. KCP game time decision. Anthony Davis game time decision. Dennis Schroeder game time decision. I'm assuming they're all going to play. And then for the Magic, Terrence Ross game time decision. James Ennis game time decision. Otto Porter game time decision. Michael Carter Williams game time decision. We'll see if he's back, folks. Michael Carter Williams can kind of see what he can do for this Magic team, but. Once again, the Lakers should have no problem winning this game. Can they cover the spread? Is it a backdoor for the Magic? They did just play yesterday. How do they bounce back from getting kind of blown out by the Pacers? So the Lakers should have no trouble winning this game. But the minus 10.5 spread is eh, just a little bit too much than we would have liked. So we'll stay away from this one. All right, Hawks, Pistons. Hawks minus 4.5, Pistons plus 4.5. Hawks just played last night. Uh, Trey Young is still out. Cam Reddish is out. Chris Dunn is a game-time decision. And Tony Snell is a game-time decision. And then for the Pistons, just Roddy Magruder and Dennis Smith are out. So they've got kind of their main squad still in. So we're going to stay away from this game as well. We just saw the Hawks absolutely get it done against the Bucks last night, yesterday. So are they going to be able to kind of keep it up again? Is everybody going to be able to show out like they showed out last night? Can they get it done in the back-to-back? -back? So some question marks here. So we'll stay away from it. Hawks should win, but, I mean, they're on the back-to-back. -back, so... We'll see if everybody can step up again here. So we'll stay away from this game. Okay, striking out 0-3 so far on the spreads. Let's see if we can pick up right here. Spurs, Wizards. Spurs minus 3.5. Wizards plus 3.5. Okay. Okay. Now, the war, uh, the Wizards did just play last night, so not the greatest. But let's see who's everybody's going to go here. Uh, for the Spurs, Rudy Gay's a game-time decision, and Lonnie Walker's a game-time decision. 
For the Wizards, Rui Hachimura is a game-time decision as well, but I get the three points here. We know this Wizards team is in kind of win-win-win hyper-drive mode. Everybody's kind of getting it done for this team. A lot of people are starting to contribute very well. I mean, we're getting 10-plus points from a lot of people now. Um, not so much from their starters. Their starters are all still kind of not great, but they don't play their starters that much besides Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Uh, Davis Burton's coming off the bench. Rui Hachimura, how we can get it. So we're going to take this Wizards team plus three and a half. Yes, they are in a back-to-back, -back, but once again, this is kind of a, they need to kind of win out here to kind of get solid playoff positioning to kind of keep their kind of 10th seed at minimum. So I'm going to take the Wizards plus three and a half here. Let's get it done. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Westbrook never gets tired, so this back-to-back -back should not hurt him. Spurs, lackluster, just all around. Now, this is kind of a big game for the Spurs as well, just because they are kind of in the playing tournament as well, trying to kind of keep their their lead at number nine, trying to keep in the top 10 as well. So they just had a game against the Pelicans the other night where they beat them and separated them even more. Uh, so well done to the Spurs, but we'll see how they go against this Wizards team. We're going to take the Wizards plus three and a half here. Alrighty, then we get the Suns and the Knicks. Suns minus two, Knicks plus two. Okay, okay. Alrighty, ins and outs here for the Knicks and the Suns. For the Suns, Jay Crowder is still a game-time decision, and Langston Galloway is a game-time decision. So they will have Dario Saric, which they are definitely going to need off the bench. And then for the Knicks, what do we get? Um, just Alec Burks is still out, and Mitchell Robinson is still out. So... Knicks plus two, an absolutely huge game for this Knicks team. How do they fare? This Suns team on a back-to-back -back just losing against the, the the Nets last night. So they're definitely going to kind of want to win this game, the Suns, and kind of take out their aggression of just losing last night. But uh, this Knicks team getting it done, think we're going to have to stay away from it. This spread, I mean, if the Knicks were getting like maybe four, I think I would have taken it. I do still like the Knicks plus two, though. But we'll see how they fare against this good Suns team. But are they still good, man? Uh, how is Nerlens Noel going to do down low against... Um, um, what, what's his name? Oh, man. What's his name? Uh, DeAndre Ayton for the Suns. Uh, uh, we're going to bet the Knicks here tonight. We're going to take a risk on this Knicks team. Knicks plus two. Let's take it. Just this Suns team on a back-to-back, -back, man. I'm a little nervous. I've been telling you ever since, like, last Friday, we're a little nervous on this Suns team. Just their lackluster offensive production when it's not just Devon, Devin Booker getting it done by himself. Nobody else really kind of gives great contributions offensively consistently for this team. So we're going to stay away from this one. Jay Crowder. If he's back, definitely going to help him out. Darius Eric, definitely going to help out the Suns team. But overall, going to ride with this Knicks team to see what they do. Knicks plus two. That's what we're taking at home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Alrighty, then we get the Cavs and the Raptors. Cavs plus 11. Raptors minus 11. Cavs plus 11? Come on. Come on. Alright, out for the Cavs. Colin Sexton's the game time decision with the concussion. So we'll see if he's good to go here. Let's see if we get any kind of updates on him. Because that's absolutely huge. If he's in, we're, we're taking the 11 all day long. Oh, and there it is just two minutes ago. Absolutely fantastic. He's ruled out now with the concussion. So they did just play all well last night. Fantastic. But on the back-to-back, -back, are they going to be able to keep it up? So we're, we'll stay away from this game. 
for the Raptors, uh, Chris Boucher is still out, unfortunately. Rodney Hood is a game-time decision as well, but we'll stay away from this one. Cavs should be decently competitive in this game, but we'll see how it goes. Jazz, Timberwolves. Jazz minus 11.5. Timberwolves plus 9.5. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I know we're going to kind of break our rule here. I know we usually don't take back-to-back um, -back games, back-to-back -back series. But, I mean, the Timberwolves just won on the road against the Jazz. Now they're home against the Jazz, and they're still getting 9.5 points. You got to respect this Timberwolves team, man. Don't disrespect them. Vegas has been disrespected them giving them so many points every single game and we're gonna take the Timberwolves here um, just Donovan Mitchell out for the Jazz and just Malik Beasley out for the Timberwolves but you still got the big three of Carl Anthony Towns Anthony Edwards D'Angelo Russell off the bench Ricky Rubio to kind of facilitate the starter so I've got no problem taking the nine and a half here with this Timberwolves team this is a new and improved Timberwolves team ever since the trade deadline they're still getting disrespected they're winning games being competitive in games Jazz just clinched a playoff spot last night that's not going to change the way they played they still want that number one seed but I got to give it up for this Timberwolves team getting it done every single game we'll bet them in the back-to-back -back with the Jazz plus nine and a half all right then Bulls and Heat Bulls plus six Heat minus six once again, in a back-to-back -back with this kind of Heat team, so we'll probably stay away from this series. Uh, for the Bulls, Zach Levine is still out, obviously, and Troy Brown is out. For the Heat, Victor Oladipo is still out, Tyler Hero, game-time decision, Andre Iguodala out, and Kendrick Nunn, a game-time decision. So a lot of potential uh, not-greatness for this Heat team with the game-time decisions and all their outs. So Bulls plus six is looking good, but it is in their kind of back-to-back, -back, so we'll stay away from that one. We're already kind of breaking our rule by taking the Timberwolves plus nine. All right, then we get the Clippers and the Pelicans. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Are they disrespecting the Clippers now? Clippers minus two, Pelicans plus two. Kawhi Leonard better, better be out for this Clippers team if it's minus two. For the Clippers, Rondo is a game-time decision. Patrick Beverly still out, obviously. Serge Ibaka is out. Kawhi Leonard is still out. All righty. Luke Kennard is out. And then for the Pelicans, uh, Steven Adams, a game-time decision. Josh Hart is still out. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a game-time decision. They definitely need Nikhil Alexander-Walker to play here if they want to have a chance here. This Pelicans team needs the bench. They need some bench scoring. Josh Hart was their ben best bench scorer, but he's out. He's been out for the last couple of games here. They definitely need Nikhil Alexander-Walker out off the bench. Uh, to be good to go because they need the facilitator off the bench. They need the scoring off the bench, and that's what Nikhil Alexander-Walker can you know, bring uh, to this Pelicans team. But um, I got to give it up for this Clippers team. I mean, Paul George is getting it done by himself. Um, uh, Their point guard, not Patrick Beverly, not Rondo. Um, ugh, ugh. Why do I always forget that man's name? Um, Reggie Jackson has been absolutely spectacular at the point guard position. So I'm taking the Clippers minus two here over the Pelicans. I've got no problem taking this Clippers team. They're winning games without Kawhi Leonard. Paul George is getting it done. He's going manic. And like I said, Reggie Jackson has been absolutely fantastic for this team. Scoring, uh, facilitator on the floor, just defense as well. So we're going to give it up for the Clippers here. We'll swallow the two. I can't buy this Pelicans team, man. I just cannot buy it. They've got no bench. Um, Lonzo Ball has some good games, but it still doesn't translate to wins every single game. So something has to change here. We love the Clippers minus two.
All right, then the last two games, the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Grizzlies plus four, Nuggets minus four. All righty. Good kind of matchup here. Grizzlies, everybody's good to go. Wow, everybody's good to go for that Grizzlies team. Look at that. And then for the Nuggets, Will Barton is out. Monte Morris is a game-time decision, and we know uh, Jamal Murray's out for the season. So Will Barton being out definitely is going to hurt them a little bit. Grizzlies plus 4.5. They just went and beat the Blazers last night. Let's see if they can kind of beat this Nuggets team. We're going to stay away from this one because I want one more game of this Nuggets team without Jamal Murray to see kind of if that one loss the other the other night, not not their last game against the Rockets, which they won, but that other game against the Warriors where they kind of lost big, kind of about 21-point loss there. I want to know, is that truly what that Nuggets team is? Or if there are other wins without Jamal Murray where they beat the Heat and the Rockets and the Grizzlies and the Rockets again without Jamal Murray, which is the real Nuggets team. So we're going to use this kind of game here to judge it so we won't bet it. And then the last game of the night, the Kings and the Mavericks. Ooh, this is good value here too, folks. Great value here. Uh, Mavericks minus six, Kings plus six. Now, the Kings were just in their back-to-back. -back. They, they just played last night, and everybody showed out for that team against the Warriors. Um... So is De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox is still out. Marvin Bagley is a game-time decision. So I don't know if they're going to kind of be able to kind of overcome another great scoring night by everybody in that starting lineup again without De'Aaron Fox. Now for the Mavericks, J.J. Reddick's a game-time decision. Josh Richardson's a game-time decision. Dorian Finney-Smith is a game-time decision. Chris Porzingis is a game-time decision. Luka Doncic is a game-time decision. Maxi Kleber is a game-time decision. Jeez Louise out here. What the heck? Everybody, game-time decision. For the Mavericks, do we get any positive... Uh, um, any new information here? We did just get news that Robin Lopez is questionable for the Wizards. Russell Westbrook is questionable for the Wizards. But Rui Hachimura is available to play. And uh, so we got to go back here because we did take the Wizards plus three and a half. Where are they at? Wizards plus three and a half. Where are they at? Did we not? Did they take it off the board? Interesting. Wizard Spurs. Interesting. The line is starting to change right now. Alrighty, interesting there. We may have to kind of stay away from that Wizards team, but uh, back to the Kings and the Mavericks. Nothing. What do we get? JJ Reddick, questionable. Dorian Finney Smith, questionable. So not looking real good. <laughs> no real information on all these Mavericks players, unfortunately. So, we do like the Mavericks minus six. If everybody's out, though, we don't like it. So, maybe stay, maybe wait till a little bit closer to tip to bet this Mavericks game. We got a good kind of moneymaker go going, so we won't push it with the Mavericks and the Kings tonight. Wizards plus three and a half, Knicks plus two, Timberwolves plus nine and a half, Clippers minus two. That's our moneymaker for tonight's action. Feeling good. Definitely love that Clippers minus two, folks. I think that's the best bet of the night. Timberwolves plus nine should be good as well. And the Knicks plus two looking pretty solid too. So feeling good tonight, folks. Feeling good on our moneymaker. 
Alrighty, now let's go over to our NFL Draft Prospect. We're ranking them over these next two days. We're starting with the offense today, doing the defense tomorrow. We're only doing the quarterbacks, running backs, and the wide receivers. Uh, for tight ends, it's just Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's the only great tight end. Everybody else is just kind of all right, solid. Linemen, we didn't go too deep into the linemen. Kind of focus more on the skills player when we were doing our NFL Draft Prospects of the Day for the last 70 days out here. Uh, so we're just going to do quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers today. Tomorrow we'll do corners, safeties, and linebackers, and edge rushers. I believe we've done enough edge rushers to kind of rank them. Uh, so we got that today and tomorrow. Then Wednesday we will be doing our, lie, or our mock draft leading up to Thursday where we'll do the show. And then we also have our live draft show later in the night starting at 7.30 Eastern um, Thursday draft night. First round of the draft. So we will be live there. Twitch.tv slash takes by fans. So come join us uh, with other fans all hoping for the same thing that our teams get better. Picking the right pick that we think is the right pick. So uh, but before we do our mock draft, which is coming up on Wednesday, we have to kind of rank. We've got to order these prospects. So it's making it a little bit easier for our mock draft to kind of who's going to be firstly selected in each category. So we're starting today with the offense and we're going to start with the quarterback. So here we go. The five quarterbacks that we are ranking are Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. That's the five quarterbacks that we are ranking right now. So here we go. Should we start at number five or start with number one? Let's start with number one. Um, Alrighty. Here we go. The top quarterback in this year's draft class is Trevor Lawrence. Of course. Does anybody not think he's the best quarterback in this year's draft? I mean, he's definitely the number one overall pick. We all know he's getting drafted by the Jaguars. That's no question. It's just, is he going to pan out as the number one quarterback? That's that's the only thing left to decide in this year's draft class. He's going to be the number one overall pick taken, but is he truly 10, 5, 10 years from now the best quarterback in this year's draft class? But uh, So we can start here with Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely great. I mean, he's 6'6", folks. Every other quarterback in this draft is 6'3", so you're getting the great height here. We just saw Justin Herbert. Isn't he like 6'5", and instantly just started to sling it around with that Chargers team? No problem. So... Trevor Lawrence, he's been, you know, at Clemson for three years, absolutely great every single year, won the national championship his first year, unfortunately kind of got a little worse in that kind of, you know, never back to the national championship or never winning the national championship game again, um, unfortunately, but always getting into the, to the college football playoffs, getting it, being competitive. Uh, classic great production here, 65% completion percentage his first two seasons, 69% com completion percentage his last season, last season, 2020, getting 3,000 yards every single season, so consistent, and the one thing I love about him, he doesn't throw that many picks, I mean, uh, year one, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, fantastic, 2019, 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, we're talking four to one touchdown at interception ratio. That's absolutely fantastic. And then just in 2020, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. Once again, great touchdown to interception ratio. And he's a decent dual threat. I mean, we saw in 2019, he rushed for 500 yards. Fantastic. Nine touchdowns along with those yards, those 500 yards. So he can be a little bit of a decent dual threat quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the arm. We loved everything about it. Um, his only losses or no, 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 that was, uh, that's our next quarterback that we're talking about. Um, uh, but yeah, he rushed for the 5,000, 3,000 yards pass, or he rushed for 500. He threw for 3,000 yards every single season. Great 
touchdown to interception ratios doesn't really turn the ball over that much only 17 interceptions over three seasons never multi, no never double digit interceptions which is always great I mean you really don't see that too much in college especially you know in the um in the kind of top quarterback prospects of every kind of draft class, you don't really see any quarterback doing double-digit interceptions, which is definitely a red flag. But uh, he never did it here. Got kind of, you know, started off big in college and then kind of slowly went down every single season, just in place-wise. But, uh, yeah, won the, he won the national championship. Did he win the Heisman? No, he never won the Heisman, unfortunately. Not even in 2018 did he win the Heisman? Hmm. But, I mean, he went undefeated 2018. Fantastic. Never lost a game. 2019. Never lost until the last game of the season against LSU for the national championship. That's when he lost against Joe Burrow. And then in 2020. Uh, just lost to Ohio State and Justin Fields. Kind of got blown out by Justin Fields a little bit. But, but we're going to uh, rank Trevor Lawrence here number one over everybody else in this quarterback uh, draft class just because he's kind of been at the pinnacle of the best quarterback kind of throughout the league for throughout the last three years in college. So Trevor Lawrence is number one. Alrighty, number two, and I don't know why this isn't kind of a unanimous decision here, but I got to go Justin Fields at number two, folks. Once again, kind of like Trevor Lawrence, the man is a winner. He only loses games when it's the playoff, the college playoffs or the college championship games he doesn't lose in the regular season and this is great for Justin Fields because he plays at Ohio State in a good kind of collegiate conference so I mean we get to you know Zach Wilson playing in BYU we get freaking Trey Lance playing at South Dakota State in the FCS we get Mac Jones playing at Alabama but he had an absolutely stacked roster so I got to give it up for Justin Fields at number two, 67% completion percentage, 70% completion percentage just this year. So absolutely magnificent. The completion percentage is there. 3,200 yards in 2019, only playing eight games this season. So the yards only at 2,100. But the touchdown to interception ratios are fantastic. 2019, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions, magnificent. And then just this season, once again, the game's coming down from 14 to eight from 2019 to 2020. So yes, all the stats are falling but 22 touchdowns six interceptions I mean we're talking three to one touchdown interception interception ratio very close to kind of four to one his rushing kind of a good dual threat as well 400 yards 2019 basically 500 484 and then 2020 300 yards rushing for five more touchdowns this season 10 touchdowns last season so still a good dual threat in this league and once again the big thing about this man is that he's a winter he, he's a winner 2019 did not lose a regular season game just lost against Clemson in the first round of the college football playoffs so we can kind of excuse the loss there I mean you're getting into the big game I like to see you win bowl games you know that's something that we do kind of way heavy but he did it this year so he still won it and he still won their bowl games in the the or the Big Ten championship games as well. And then just this season in 2020, once again, did not lose until the national championship game against Alabama. Uh, so uh, we got to give him the respect. He is a winner in this league. He was winning. And I love the completion percentages. The yards are good. The dual threat ability is good. So I'm going to put Justin Fields at number two here. And the real reason that I like him over our number three pick is that he won in a good conference consistently. So I got to give him a lot of credit for that. So we're officially putting Justin Fields as the second best quarterback in this draft class.
All right, then we'll go to number three, and that's where we're going to put Zach Wilson. All righty. Now, quarterback from BYU, just solid. You know, he was a solid player, and then he kind of boomed. He boomed in his kind of pro day, which we don't really – I mean, nothing's great on your pro day. You're throwing against no defense, in shorts, no pads, no nothing, and it's just one-on-one -on -one quarterback receiver. So, yes, you know, quarterbacks are going to look great out there, obviously. Zach Wilson had like a 60-yard bomb pass that he kind of threw contorting his body out of a break of a run. So, yes, that was good, and it's impressive. But once again, it's, you know, at a pro day. So, Zach Wilson – once again, he's 6'3", nothing great over kind of Justin Fields, not the dual threat ability that kind of Justin Fields has. The most he's ever rushed in the season was last year with 254 yards. He did rush for 10 touchdowns. The one thing that we do like about Zach Wilson that we saw on the tape is that he was great in the red zone. We loved his accuracy in the red zone high and away every single time. He also had 73% completion percentage this season. That's another huge green flag for this man. But when we're talking about wins and, you know, competition, I mean... He's at BYU, folks. BYU. That's, um, are they independent? What what conference are they in? Yeah, they are independent. So, no, no great teams that they're going up against consistently. Um, they did get to some bowl games. So, let's see what he did in these. Western Michigan, he, he, he won the bowl game. He went 100%, 18 of 18. That was fantastic. 2019 in the bowl game, they ended up losing. He had 60% completion percentage, no touchdowns, two interceptions. That was 2019. And then 2020, this bowl game against Central Florida is back to winning three touchdowns, 74% completion percentage, or 76% completion percentage. But once again, I mean, we saw Justin Fields do good in his bowl games and then got to the playoffs and still did good in those playoff games as well. So we get, yeah, Zach Wilson, you we're good in those bowl games, but I mean, being in the BYU, being in the independent conference, you're never going to get to a college football playoffs. Justin Fields got there, got there twice, made a good impression in all those games, got the revenge, you know, lost against Clemson in 2019, beat Clemson, murdered Clemson in 2020, and just unfortunately lost to an overall stacked roster of Alabama in the title game. So you can't kind of fault them too much there. All right, back to Zach Wilson here. Uh, the interceptions, I mean, pretty good to touchdown to interception ratio. He wasn't throwing a lot of touchdowns his first two seasons. 2018, playing nine games, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. 2019, 2019, not good at all. 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I mean, that's absolutely not great at all in nine games. And then 2020, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. So that was fantastic. 11 to one touchdown to interception ratio in 2020. But we see some red flags in his game. Not playing against the best competition. Not winning every single game. I mean, losing games in the regular season. In 2018, he lost one, two, Three, four games in the regular season. That's not good in the independent conference. I know his team's not that great overall because, once again, he's still in the independent conference. But you still got to elevate your team a little bit more, man. Then 2019, losing one, two, three, four games in the regular season and lost his bowl game that season. And then in 2020... He only lost one game his regular season, so that was good. Only one year of good success, though. Tra uh, Justin Fields, we kind of have two good, solid years of success. Zach Wilson only one. Trevor Lawrence kind of three. So, going to give it up for uh, Zach Wilson here at number three of the best kind of quarterbacks in this draft class. Hmm... Is that it? Is that a, a, Did I say everything I wanted to? He did get better every single season, kind of. Yards-wise... 
1500 year one 2300 year two 3600 year three completion percentage dipped in year two uh touched on interception ratio dipped year two but the yards were there that's the only thing that fla- that kind of rose in year two uh and we also kind of see his speed it's kind of baker mayfield ish where we put justin field speed as kind of kyler murray ish and we you know that's still drastic comparison drastic difference between justin fields and zach wilson speed so we're gonna put zach wilson at number three all right then at number four we're gonna go mac jones here all righty mac jones only one good year playing that's all he had folks one good year playing quarterback that was it and it was a good year don't get us wrong we're not kind of we're not trying to knock mac jones but when we kind of break down the totality of his game i mean folks there are red flags that need to be talked about so here we go mac jones only one year starting wise in 2019 in 2020 played 13 games started all 13 games because Tua was not there anymore and he went 77 percent completion percentage Abs- folks that's absolutely manic in college 77 percent fan freaking tastic 4500 yards passing once again fan freaking tastic 41 touchdowns four interceptions once again fan freaking tastic folks i mean all these numbers just crush every other quarterback in this year's draft class trevor lawrence has never threw for 4500 yards 77 percent completion percentage justin fields never did that zach wilson definitely never did that and trey lance never did that either so you got to give credit to mac jones for these stats absolutely but when we look at his roster and who he had in his team and, you know, what program he played for and still playing in the SCS in 2020 in the COVID year when every team was really not that great anymore. Um, You know, the SCC isn't the greatest conference. It's still a great conference. But when we're looking, you know, interconference here in the SEC West, I mean, you get Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, who are all historically good names, but I mean, look at these records: Auburn six and five this year, LSU five and five this year, Ole Miss five and five this year, Arkansas three and seven this year, Mississippi State four and seven this year. Yeah, Texas A&M was good this year, nine and one, and I'm assuming they did beat Texas A&M. No, let's see what he did against Texas A&M real quick. Just because it was all interconference stuff here, they beat Texas A&M twenty. Uh, or no, hang on, that's his uh, completion percentage. Uh, they beat him fifty-two to twenty-four. Holy moly! Uh, but yeah, he had a seventy-four percent completion percentage, four touchdowns, still one interception. So that's still good. But but it's just overall the level of competitiveness came down a little bit this year because of the COVID season. He had an absolutely stacked roster. Devontae Smith was the Heisman winner. Jalen Waddle's going to be top five wide receivers taken in this year's draft. Najee Harris is going to be top two running backs taken in this draft. And then his defense got it done as well. So I mean, just an absolutely stacked team. Now he delivered. He did exactly what he needed to do. So we're not trying to knock him for so much that he needed or for doing what he needed to do and doing what he was supposed to do out there. But at the end of the day, when we're looking at all these other quarterbacks that didn't have all those talented wide receivers that proved more than one season, that's kind of my one knock on Zach Wilson. We only saw it for one season. That's why we're knocking Mac Jones a little bit. We only saw it for one season. It was freaking a great season. Stacked roster, stacked everything, playing for Alabama under Nick Saban all of that so don't know if he's going to be able to make it in this league don't know if he's going to be able to kind of elevate not great talent around him wide receiver wise I mean what happens if he's got no wide receivers or wherever he goes I mean what if he had to go play for the Patriots last season with the weapons that Cam Newton had would he have been better than what Cam Newton did 
I don't know, man. I'm not 100% sold on that. So we're going to put Mac Jones at number four here. Yes, it was a great season, but when you take everything into consideration of last season, I mean, the, the chips were in this man's favor, 1,000%. And that number five has got to be Trey Lance, man. I, I, I'm not really, no. Once again, man, uh, Trey Lance, one good season, one solid season. This is in the FCS. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields playing against great competition. Years, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, three seasons. Justin Fields, two straight seasons. And winning games, those seasons against kind of the, you know, elite programs in college. And Trey Lance is in the FCS. Playing good in 2019. And in 2019, this was his stats. I mean, 66% completion percentage, 2,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, no picks. That's fantastic. No picks. But once again, what are these defenses you're facing? The FCS in 2019, nothing good. And then in 2020, the COVID season, they didn't even play. They had one game before the entire season got shut down. And that's when he threw his first interception. That's when he threw 50% completion percentage. So once again, yes, you were great year one, but then we didn't see you year two because the season got canceled in the, the the very the small glimpse that we saw only one game before the season got canceled in 2020 for Trey Lance that's when his first interception came out so we can't say that he's great anymore that's when the 50% completion percentage game came out so it's like what are we talking about here yes he was good in the FCS for one season is that supposed to make me confident that this man's gonna work out I'm gonna take the 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 Mac Jones over Trey Lance just because he's proven he can get it done one year in the FBS better competition better numbers better everything so we got to put Trey Lance at number five here for the quarterback so our official ranking of quarterbacks of this year's draft class we predict Trevor Lawrence will be the best we predict Justin Fields will be number two Zach Wilson will be number three Mac Jones number four and Trey Lance will be the fifth best quarterback in this year's draft class Alrighty, now let's do running backs now we got our format a little messed up here on the dock. So let's just straighten this out very quickly before we move on. Just very quickly. All right, here we go. So running backs now. Let's draft these. Let's number these. We only got the top four running backs here. We've all, I think we've only looked at the top four running backs. Um, and these are these top four running backs that we're talking about. Najee Harris, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne. Those are the three running backs that we are talking about. So let's rank them now. And this is tough, man. One and two is truly tough here. But I'm going to give number one to Najee Harris, folks. I love this man. Absolutely fantastic. Big old runner at 6'2", 6'2", not quite 6'3", and you know who we love at 6'2", you know who we love 6'2", in this league, Derek Mother-Loving Henry at 6'3", who played at Alabama, Najee Harris, a little bit of Derrick Henry, not as big as Derrick Henry, uh, we see Najee Harris 6'2", still a big running back out here. Uh, and when we looked at it, what he did, you know, four straight seasons at Alabama getting better every single season, which is exactly what we're looking for, culminating into his 2020 season where he rushed for 1,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, 5.8 yards a carry, just getting it done. We loved everything we saw about Najee Harris. He's a great catcher out of the backfield. Caught for 425 yards, four touchdowns, catching the ball as well. Doing it in the big game, the national championship game. The play that really sold us where, you know, the ball was thrown a little bit behind him and he reaches back and then he's still able to kind of get it done for the last 15 yards for the touchdown. So 
Gotta go with Najee Harris as the best running back here. And it is tight, folks, with him in number two, which is Travis Etienne. They're, they're leaps and bounds ahead of Javante, um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, folks. It's truly, there. it goes Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. You can rank them however you want. It's that close, folks. I would not be upset if you have tra Travis Etienne number one. But besides those two, I mean, there's a huge gap. There's a huge gap between three and number four, honestly. Uh, but we're going to put Najee Harris at number one here because he kind of gives us a little bit of Derrick Henry vibes. Obviously not as big as him. Derrick Henry is 6'3". Najee Harris is 6'2". Uh, Derrick Henry is like 250. Najee Harris is like 230. So, you know, uh, you know, still decently similar, but, you know, a little bit of a knockoff version if you want, off-brand version. Uh, but the one thing that kind of really solidifies that Najee Harris could do what kind of Derrick Henry is doing in this league, just getting better every single season, culminating to 26 touchdowns in 2020. That's exactly what Derrick Henry did his collegiate career, getting better every single season. Now, in his kind of final season, Derrick Henry, he rushed for 2,200 yards, which is fantastic. But 28 touchdowns, 5.6 yards of carry. Najee Harris had 26 touchdowns, 5.8 yards of carry. So very similar stats wise to Derrick Henry just besides the running the ball wise the kind of total yard stat wise but uh, what we get with uh, Najee Harris is a little bit of a better kind of receiving game where Derrick Henry never really caught the ball. I mean, his best receiving year in Alabama for Derrick Henry was 2014 with 133 yards receiving, where we see Najee Harris just put up 425 yards last season and 304 yards 2019. So once again, just getting better in every facet of the game every single season. So I got to give it to Najee Harris for the best running back in this year's draft class. And then that kind of leaves number two for Travis Etienne. Very, very folks. I'm talking. I'm talking hair close. I'm talking about. I mean, uh, it's so hard to choose who's actually better between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne because Najee Harris, we get good speed, but we get kind of you know that kind of you know shoulder ability where you can kind of truck some players. Where Travis Etienne is just taking the top off the freaking defense, folks. This man's speed is absolutely unbelievable. A pure speed running back so you either want the speed or you want the size with the little less speed than Travis Etienne and that's kind of where we're making kind of our differences we kind of see Najee Harris a little bit more versatile just tad just a tad folks so we're gonna go with uh, Travis Etienne here at the second uh, running back position. Once again, he had absolutely great games. I mean, he had back-to-back 1,600-yard -back rushing seasons. We see Najee Harris not even have a 1,600. You know, his best was 1,400, you know. Um, once again, Travis Etienne, he does catch the ball out of the backfield as well. 432 yards receiving last season, and or two seasons ago in 2019, and then 2020, 588 yards receiving as well. So, We've seen him, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield as well. He's just a pure speed runner. He's only 5'10", you know, not a 6-foot running back in this league. So, kind of classic running back size for Travis Etienne. His speed is immaculate. Um, the one thing, he kind of went down every single season. You know, you can kind of, you know, put that up for the COVID season. I've got no problem with that. Only played 12 games in 2020. Only rushed for 914 yards. Where in 2018, 2019, he played 15 games because it was a full 
season, and he rushed for 1,600 yards. So, uh, you know, that's another small reason why we put Travis Etienne at number two, two, just because we see players getting better every single season, folks. That tells us a lot. That tells us you haven't reached your ceiling yet and that you're still going to improve in the league, in the NFL. So, got to give it up to Travis uh, Travis Etienne. And, and man, oh, man, I know the Dolphins are potentially looking at a running back in this year's draft. I don't think we'll take it at six, but have the potential to take it at number 18 in the first round. And honestly, I would be happy. I would be, I think I would be the same amount of happy if we chose either one of these running running backs. It's just truly hard to decide which one's truly better right now. Only time will tell who's good 10 years down the line. But uh, we're going to put Najee Harris one, Travis Etienne two. And then that leaves the kind of uh, couple running back from UNC. But uh, we're going to put Javante Carter, Javante Williams, Jesus Louise, Javante Williams at number three. And Michael Carter at number four. And, you know, very similar running backs here. Both have, you know, about a thousand yards. They basically, you know, uh, running back by committee over there in USC. Uh, but the one thing that we liked uh, uh, more from Javante Williams over Michael Carter is that he kind of was able to kind of, you know, break tackles a little bit more than Michael Carter was. They're both great runners. Don't get us wrong. Like I said, I mean, Javon, uh, Michael Carter, 1,200 rushing yards last season, nine touchdowns. Javante Williams, 1,100 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns. He's able to break the tackles, able to kind of get those extra yards. They're both absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, great runners. I mean, Michael Carter was averaging eight yards a run. Javante Williams, 7.3 yards a run. But I'm going to go with a little bit more of an explosive runner in Javante Williams, a little bit of a better ball catcher. He had 300 yards this season catching-wise, three touchdowns along with that. Where Javante Carter, 267 yards, two touchdowns. So once again, they're very, very close runners. I mean, they were running back by committee all season. But I just kind of liked Javante Williams' explosiveness a little bit better. His ability to break tackles a little bit better over Michael Carter. But once again, the main point to take away from in this running back draft class is the the gap between Najee Harris, Travis Etienne over Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Folks, the gap is absolutely enormous. Travis Etienne has the kind of... Take the top off the defense, game-breaking speed. I mean, if there's nobody in front of this man, you're not going to be able to catch up to him. Can't really say the same about Michael Carter Michael Carter, and Javante Williams and Najee Harris. Uh, Najee Harris has kind of the big beef ability. He's 6'2", big, big, big frame. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, both 5'10", 5'8", 5'10". So we're going to order it a little bit. Javante Williams, a little bit of a bigger size, able to break those tackles a little bit more than Michael Carter. So we got uh, Najee Harris as the best running back in this year's draft class. Travis Etienne, number two. Javante Williams, number three. And Michael Carter, number four. And then that leads us to our wide receivers in this year's draft class, which are um, we got Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, um, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, and Jalen Waddle. Alrighty, and kind of the same thing here. We got kind of the top three, and then there's a huge gap for the next two for to make up the top five. But the number one wide receiver, and I really think there's no debate about this. It's Devontae Smith, folks. Come on, come on. Once again, getting better every single season, playing all four years at Alabama, getting better every single season. 
Started at 160 yards, then goes to 693 yards, then goes to 1,200 yards, then goes to 1,800 yards, receiving 23 touch touchdowns, Heisman winner. We broke this down the other day. He was the best wide receiver in every single bowl game, every single college playoff game that he played in, getting it done. The main reason why they won, uh, you know, getting touchdowns in all these games, all these kind of big games that he's in. So, got to give it up for Devontae Smith, the number one wide receiver here he's proven over four years he's getting better he's always great um Heisman winner 1800 yards and then let's talk about number two now because that's what we're kind of comparing him to is Jamar Chase at number two absolutely he's fantastic don't get us wrong but but it was one season didn't play this year in 2020 so a little bit of a red flag that needs to be talked about yeah we saw him have an absolutely great 2019 1,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, looking absolutely fantastic, 21 yards of catch. Don't get us wrong, but is it a fluke season? Does he kind of take a little bit of a step back here? He didn't play in 2020, so we can't see that. Where Devontae Smith, we've got proven talent, four straight years, getting better every single year, never floundering, never taking a big step back, being the main reason why they won all those games. We looked at Jamar Chase in 2019. And I mean, yeah, they won the national championship game and he ha absolutely had a big hand in winning that national championship game. 220 yards, two touchdowns, fantastic. But then when we look at, you know, what they did in their first round of the playoffs against Oklahoma, not a huge reason why they won that game. He wasn't even the best receiver on his team in that game. The, uh, the, the, um... The uh, the uh, the conference championship game against Georgia, only one touchdown, 41 yards. Once again, wasn't the best wide receiver on his own team in that game. So have to take a little bit of a kind of full picture look at this man. Yes, it was an incredible season in 2019, but I get more consistent, more proven wins and yards and talent by Devontae Smith capping off in a Heisman winner season. So got to put Devontae Smith at number one. And I'm telling you, if the Dolphins do not take him at number six, I'm not a Dolphins fan anymore, folks. That is the only pick at number six, and I'm I'm over the conversation. I'm over the debate on it. I'm, I, we're three days out from the draft. This is all you can do. Devontae Smith at number six, folks. Proven wide receiver talent. Go and get it. All right, number three, we're going to put Jalen Waddle. Oh, my goodness, fantastic speed on this man. Yes, sir. He can take the top off the defense, no problem. He goes up and plays the ball as good as Tyreek Hill does. Our camera just died, unfortunately, so whatever we're frozen at now. But um, Jalen Waddle plays as well as Tyreek Hill does, at least going up for the ball at a kind of a smaller frame. What is Jalen Waddle? 5'10"? 5'10". I think uh, um, Tyreek Hill's 5'10", 5 5'9". 5 but... Jalen Waddle, kind of same speed, a little bit maybe a little slower than Tyreek Hill does because Tyreek Hill's speed is just wild to even begin with. But uh, Jalen Waddle at number three here from Alabama, a great, great college career. Um, he, he just goes in the way he just goes up and gets the ball at only 510. It's fantastic, folks. He goes up and plays like he's DeAndre Hopkins at 6'1, folks. It's truly great. So he goes up, he will go high, uh, high point the ball if he has to kind of make a contested catch one on one. Or, I mean, all the other catches are wide open because he can create space because he's that quick and can cut that fast. So Jalen Waddle at number three. Then the last two here, we're going to put Rashad Bateman here at number four. Let's get him marked up. 
He's 6'2", great size. I mean, definitely, I definitely want to kind of build my team around tall wide receivers so I can throw those 50-50 balls a lot more. But, yeah, I mean, he's got great speed, Rashad Bateman. Not as big as of a – not as good of a career as these kind of other great wide receivers of Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. But, uh, yeah, loved what I saw from Rashad Bateman, 6'2", solid wide receiver out here. Doesn't have the great catchability that kind of Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase does. Can't really – doesn't have the true, like, open ability that kind of Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle do. Devontae Smith can beat you out the line of scrimmage. Just Rashad Bateman, solid speed, great speed at 6'2", good solid wide receiver out there. And once again, kind of like we said, I mean, the the big drop-off in quarterbacks is Trevor Lawrence and everybody else. The big drop-off in running backs is Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and everybody else. And these kind of top wide receivers are Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and really everybody else. I don't think I would even put kind of Jalen Waddell in that kind of top elite category. And then the fifth best wide receiver, we're going to put Elijah Moore. Once again, another good wide receiver out here in this draft. Solid catchability, but he's only 5'9". Not as, I mean, really kind of small as a wide receiver, honestly. Uh, That's why we have Rashad Bateman above him, just because he's 6'2". Um... Uh, he doesn't have game-breaking speed like Jalen Waddle does, maybe like Jamar Chase does. I'd put kind of game-breaking speed on Jamar Chase a little bit. Um, and he uh, doesn't doesn't really break tackles that much like we see Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddle able to do a little bit more. So we put Elijah Moore at number five. Once again, I mean, at this point, besides these kind of top two wide receivers, it's really just kind of which one fits your scheme better. Do you want the fast, shifty wide receiver in Jalen Waddle? Do you want the tall wide receiver in Rashad Bateman? Or do you want just kind of a solid wide receiver of Elijah Moore? Just not the kind of same speed as Jalen Waddle, but um, so that's what we have in our NFL draft prospects offensively ranked here for quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, one, Justin Fields, two, Zach Wilson, three, Mac Jones, four, Trey Lance, five running backs. We got Najee Harris, one, Travis Etienne, two, Javante Williams, three, Michael Carter, four. And for wide receivers, Devonte Smith, one, Jamar Chase, two, Jalen Waddle, three, Rashad Bateman, four, and Elijah Moore, five. Tomorrow on the show, we will do our defensive players, safeties, corners, linebackers, and see how they're all kind of stacking up. And then Wednesday, we do our live draft uh, our um, our live mock draft alrighty so that's going to do it for us today thanks for tuning in thanks for watching we'll be back tomorrow any breaking news here we need to talk about the Clippers are signing DeMarcus Cousins for the rest of the season fantastic not that they were really using them but can always use that great depth out there fantastic alrighty folks that's what we are going to leave it at Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones, but 49ers scouting department has pushed for Trey Lance. What? No, no. I, I swear, man. If if the 49ers have an opportunity to take Trevor, um, take uh, Justin Fields and don't, I think it's a real big mistake on them. All righty, folks. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow live, noon Eastern. All right.